Welcome to the 10K Collective podcast for six, seven and eight figure Amazon and e-commerce sellers, a part of the amazing FBA family. If you want to scale fast, target a seven figure exit and enjoy the process, then keep listening. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader, co-hosted by myself, Michael Vizi, and Jason Miles, top 1% Shopify store owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving e-commerce business, look for The E-Commerce Leader on your favorite podcast app and subscribe today. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the 10K Collective Podcast, the place to be for six, seven and eight figure Amazon sellers and I should say Amazon business owners, preferably if you're looking to scale your business and potentially sell it. Now, today's guest is going to tie into that theme. Today's guest is Brad Moss, founder of ProductLabs.ai and Product Labs provide managed solutions, which involve technology as well as the conventional managing sort of set of people, teams for Amazon sellers and brands who sell on Amazon. And they also operate and acquire their own brands on and off the Amazon platform, which is the bit that we are going to plunge into today, quite a different conversation to the usual one. But first of all, welcome back to the show, Brad. Good to have you back. Hey, thanks, Michael. Good to be here. Yeah, good to, always good to talk to you. Now, Brad's one of the, I believe you were one of the business managers or the business manager for Seller Central itself. Is that correct? I was one of the only, if not the only business manager for Seller Central platform. So Excellent. the whole platform, I helped herd all the cats to, to create some organization out of that, sell out of it, which yeah. it, obviously I wasn't that successful. It's still kind of crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> did what I could with the constraints inside of Amazon. Yeah, well, we're not going to hold you personally responsible for the state of Seller Central, especially that ugly back end. But on the other hand, you know, it, it does mean that those of us, pretty much all of us, the, the third party sellers listening to this show, you know, basically are on the platform that you help to create and manage and put together. So you actually have, you know, the kind of background to give you credibility for somebody who's selling on that platform. So just to make sure that people are aware of that. Well, I hope so. And then, and then I also built that mobile seller app that if you'd use it on mobile, that was uh, that was a new business. So that was considered a new business when I was there and I, I pushed that through and launched that. So yeah, if you use it, Awesome. I mean, some of my hard work was is getting utilized. Yeah, I, I certainly personally use it every day, and I'm yeah, millions and millions of people do. I think so. Yeah, this this is just to kind of state the obvious fact. Like Brad Moss knows Amazon, like and Seller Central specifically, cold. So that said, though, you've been running an agency for uh, quite a while, which is you know a very successful, very sophisticated technology driven agency or ape management solutions. I don't know, agency is under understating what you guys do, but to put it in simple words. But today, we're going to talk about something which I think is, is becoming more and more part of your business, which is all around aggregators and people buying businesses, those of us who own businesses out there, maybe considering selling. So I want to take an angle with you today that's a little bit different. And we've, we've discussed off air that I think there's some interesting stuff going on. So I want to talk about the angle of what does it take to get your business sellable? But I think really from the point of view of, of a few reality checks that you've certainly flagged up for me, and one of which is, you know, what is it we're even selling? <laughs> because actually we're kind of putting together a bunch of different people and calling it a business. So let's talk a little bit about this in the broader sense. So what do you think? Let's start with the simple big picture question first. It takes to make your business sellable. If you primarily sell physical products, mostly private label or custom products yeah. on Amazon. Yeah. So maybe I have, I have two angles here or two comments here. So one, um, I was giving a talk uh, a couple of years ago before COVID. And I think I've mentioned multiple times 
So Amazon in the early days, actually, when I very first started here, you know, coming out and talking with people about what's going on inside of Amazon, I said, hey, look, there's this is the catalog. And when I was inside of Amazon, I was looking and there's a lot of holes, right? There's tons of holes all over the place. People are just going to fill that up. You know, now six years later, seven years later, the holes are generally filled, but it's been a kind of a land grab with, you know, people building little shacks on their their little plots of lands that they've grabbed, right? And now it's turning into much more of a real estate development game, right? As as much larger money is coming in and they're giving some really good value to, you know, for someone who's grabbed that land and built a, you know, a nice stream, a nice river. I don't want to call anyone's business a shack because this is, takes a lot of work to, to build these Amazon businesses. And that's not the right word, but, you know, they built a little house on the prairie and now these big guys are coming in and, and putting and building, you know, big resorts and, and they're trying to grab all these different businesses and, and build something much bigger on it. So, you know, stepping away from the analogy, like the question is always, and I pose this also is like, what are you building? Are you building just a cash flow machine or are you building a brand, right? Like, what are you really focusing on building? And I think it is a different answer when you look to sell to aggregators based on the aggregator. So many aggregators and some of the, the most prominent ones out there, what they what they care about most is just the land, right? Which is the four and a half, four, four and a half star review and the well-positioned rank for a keyword or a category. Like that's all they care about. Well, maybe not all they care about, but that's really at the nuts and bolts of what they care about is saying, well, this is a good listing. It's the number one, I don't know, I always use pens as an example, but it's terrible, like uh, cable cord, right? On Amazon, and it's got four and a half stars, and there's 5,000 of them versus the competitors who have 3,000 or, or whatever. So it's defensible. Let's buy that. That is the general approach from many of the aggregators, because for them, it is a, it, it's kind of a land grab scenario. At least that's how they've approached the business so far. So when you're talking about what is the value that you're building from a high level surface uh, perspective, it's, hey, are, do you have really good reviews and uh, are you well positioned inside your market? Like that's, if you want to boil everything down, it's that simple. Now that's for a large percentage of the aggregators out there. And that's, that's their business model. And uh, it's working for many of them really well right now. I don't know what, how it will bake out in five or 10 years, but right now it's, it's a great, you know, it's working well for them. Now there are, there are other aggregators who look uh, a little bit deeper at either the category that you might be in and your positioning side, the category, they, they look at the brand that you're building and is there value in this brand or not. Right. And, and I could go off about brands for quite a while and the, the evolution of brands, which I think is the most fascinating part of this entire space, but they, they look at, you know, what is this brand you have and what's the audience know about you, right? Which is hard on Amazon because Amazon always considers the, the, the customer, their customer, even though in reality, it's, it's more the seller's customer in my opinion. And, but you know, what does your brand mean to those customers? So how are you establishing and building that brand out? What is also the other strategic pieces that you've built with your business in terms of IP protection, right? Do you have IP protection? Are you paying someone for a licensing fee on something that you might have infringed on their IP that can or cannot matter to companies? And then your supply chain, how well are you connected and set up with your supply chain? So I guess that's a very high... <laughs> A high level bucket of, of various different things to go into and to dive into. But you know, when you're looking at what are you selling, many aggregators, it's it's really just about the listing and the review stars. And then there's another set who are probably looking a little bit deeper at different aspects of the foundation of the business. 
Excellent. Well, I, I think there's nothing wrong with a very high level list because what that becomes is your list of strategic objectives as the business creator, I think. And many people don't have that, I think. And let me just therapize my relationship with strategy and, and, and business operators, shall we say, relationship with it. And then we'll get back to the question at hand, because I think it's a subset of that, which I think a lot of people talk strategy and never make any money at all because they never do anything. That's clearly bad. A lot of people that I know in this sort of uh, several million dollars a year sort of um, run rate mark don't graduate very easily from the operations focused questions. That seems like a grown up thing and month to month, if you narrow your view, is true. But when it comes to creating a sellable business or whatever, then suddenly these strategy level ticklets become incredibly real. And I would just argue that one of the reasons, and this is what I said to you, like when you said we could talk about aggregates, I'm like, yes, please. Here's what I would say to anyone listening. I don't care if you're never going to sell your business, but if you don't see your business as an overall asset and then look at it from the 50,000 foot view and think in the terms you're talking about, I think you don't have a strategy level objectives list, then you're going to be running forever in a sort of running on the spot <laughs> while other people are thinking strategically. So I, I'm a big fan of the 50,000 foot view. It happens to take, float my boat. I don't even know why. I just love strategy. It, it, obviously, you've got to get operations right. And you guys are just geniuses at that as well. But coming back to this question then, I think that the, I love the Little House in the Prairie analogy. Yeah, the shack sounds a bit depressing. Little House in the Prairie sounds plucky and it's an extremely yeah. American analogy. That's and I think more, it's, Yeah, and that's much more... Uh, it's lovely. Yeah. But also, I think like the, the land grab that the Americans did experience in the late 19th century, once the railroad road opened up a network, and I don't think there's a coincidence there was a railroad network, and now we have a network of computers like the internet... I, I really think it's a great analogy and I love that because it's very clarifying that actually what that means is if you're selling the land and that's what the aggregators just want, that's going to be reflected in the multiple, right? It doesn't probably matter if you have beautiful packaging and an incredible product if what you're selling is the land. Whereas if you say you're selling your brand, there's a completely different buyer. So I love that, really, really love that because it's going to be a clarifying question. So the next question is obvious is how do you figure out which the aggregator you're looking at? I mean, what are the what are the identifying characteristics of a, an aggregator who wants your land versus the ones that want your brand, shall we say? Yeah, it should be. So you're going to have to read between the lines, right? How many people from their senior management team are they even bringing to the calls, right? Like, are you just talking to another broker inside their team? Is that If you are, uh, I think that is an indicator that they, well, they're just trying to buy assets. They're just trying to buy land, right? Because the most strategic high-level folks in the company should be on those calls if they're developing the brand, right? And and all of these aggregators are so small still that you should be talking to the top guys in more than one call, right? You should be talking to, with these top with the top guys in the company on multiple calls. But so that's for more of the the people who care about the brand longevity of the brand. So there's many people who've built who've built a brand and it's great, and they want to see it live, and but then they you know they might get into a deal with an aggregator and, and and realize that they just really want the the spot right on that keyword and they like their defensibility and that's it. They don't necessarily want to breathe life in that brand and expand it in whatever way might work. And that's not the model for many aggregators. So that's okay. I mean, that's totally okay if you're aware of that, right? And if you're looking just to get the, and that it does change also with the types of deals because all of these aggregators have different types of deal structures. They have different types of capital requirements that they're that they're held to some of them don't have capital yet you know we know of multiple sellers who've gone through the loop and been like hey i've been trying to sell my business for a year and i got stuck into two or three different cycles with terrible buyers 
And this buyer dinged me on this weird thing and they changed the contract terms at the end. And so we walked away. This one ended up, didn't even have the money to, to buy my business. And, and, and so we had to walk away at the end, right? So there's different types of aggregators out there. You actually got to um, keep a, a look on that at that. But you know, there's also aggregators who are willing to just pay a lesser multiple upfront, right? On your business. It's like, Hey, if you want cash right now, immediately go with these guys and they'll just give you, you know, two X, two and a half X, whatever multiple on your business. And, and you'll get it all right now within 30 days. Really what that is, you have to think about the business from their perspective, they are hedging on performance of your business, right? So if if you're going to get a higher multiple, that means your business has to perform for them for two or three years or, or three or four years, right? And I know a lot of sellers like, hey, I just want to wash my hands, be done with this. Yeah, you can, but there's always in the contracts and everything, there's always some clawback clauses and things that can hurt you. So you 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 don't want to try and do any of this shady, right? You want to do as above the belt as possible, but but there are some terms where you can just get more money out quickly, more than likely going to get you a lesser multiple than, than getting a higher amount of money, but it might take you six months or a year to get it out or two years to get out of your business. Yeah, this is brilliant. So there's so much to unpick here. I mean, the first thing, just the, the simple point you just made, EBITDA is a primitive number. So is a multiple, but so is the value you put in a business because what matters in real life is cash flow, right? I could say somebody could put a value on my business of, you know, say a million bucks. And I'd say, amazing, that's better than 300,000. But if they're going to pay that, I'm 47 now, they're going to pay that over the next 33 years, I will be 80 years old by the time they pay me. That's an exaggerated, ridiculous thing to say. But it makes the point very crassly that a million dollars in you know, 40 years, apart from inflation and, and aging, is, is not the same value as a million dollars now. And, and the cash component of, of money is so critical and like i put it in stupid terms like that everyone just goes well yeah it's obvious but okay but what about selling a business now for 2.5 x ebd and you get all of it versus you get it over say two years which is quite a common i think quite a common structure that they will you know have a deal like that so i think you make an extremely important point now without diving into that side of it too much i mean deal structure is a whole different um ball game i yeah. mean i guess we've mentioned it now tell me about what you your thoughts are about what's typical in deal structure and does that in, interact with the land grab versus the brand buyers or, or is that a separate thing altogether i just think it's in, well let me just say this i just think it's really important for sellers to realize that there are very strong economics at play for every one of these guys Right. So do not think that you're going to come in and pull the, the hood over someone else's eyes and get away with it. Usually if you do, we had a seller or yeah, a business owner who you know was, was shopping around deals and they were trying to sell for, I think like $20 million or $18 million. They're trying to sell their business. And someone came in with a $30 million offer and they said, awesome, let's go with that. Right. Four months later, they came back to the table business hadn't performed very well over the, the previous six months or five months. And that $30 million deal just went through. It was too good to be true, right? So you got to be aware there are certain deals that are too good to be true and the economics are just not there. And the economics weren't there for that $30 million deal because even if someone says, hey, I'm going to pay you $100 million for your business or you know $30 million for your business, the economics need to make sense in one way or another. And no one's going to give you way overvalued price for your business than what it's worth. Even when you hear big numbers, I know sellers and, and as an entrepreneur myself, right, you hear big numbers all over the place, but all the stuff's backed up by strong financial models. 
And um, you're not really good. You're not going to hoodwink somebody when the dollars get big, right? And maybe a small business sale, right? The million dollars or less, you know, you could get, you can, you can get away with a lot more in terms of like just not having certain things buttoned up, but the bigger the dollars get, you just got to have things buttoned up and realize that there's real expectations on all of this. So did that, did that even get close to answering your question? Yeah, no, I think it's a very good, I mean, look, getting close to this, a heck of a big question. I mean, deal structure, discuss, I mean, even business valuation, by the way, I understand that I think it's Harvard Business School has 23 methods of business valuation they teach. And everyone talks about one, which is, you know, EBITDA multiplied by a value. So even that, I mean, discounted future caps, first of all, I think one of the very early letters to shareholders that uh, Jeff Bezos wrote, he said he knew his stuff about this because he worked in Wall Street, of course, lest we forget. He said something like, wherever we have a, a, a choice between x can't remember what it was in discounted future cash flow as a valuation of the business we will take the discounted future cash flow so even valuation is huge but i mean all these things are massive things but i think you make an extremely important point and i guess what you're saying is that the fundamental thing i'm taking is if the economics don't make sense then none of it makes sense (laughs) if the economics don't work then it makes no sense to anyone it's not real it will fall through kind of thing yeah yeah and just sellers just need to be aware of that right of saying look like, because there's always going to be shiny objects. I've seen a lot of them just get spun time and time and time again between sellers because they think something's great. It's a great deal. Yeah. Um, someone's talking to them. They may not have a strong background, but they're offering them a lot of money. And yeah. so then they get on it and they get spun and then their business might deflate. And that this business example right now, they're stuck on, I think the business was stuck on that $30 million mark, but it was more worth like 15 now, right? Like half of what they got stuck on and then their business declined. It didn't perform as they wanted. Hmm. And so now they're struggling to even get close to where they were going to get the first time, right? And yeah. be aware of, of that stuff. Like you got to have the foundations of the business and be aware of stuff that looks like it's too good to be true, um, Yeah, I guess is, is what I should say. Yeah, absolutely. And I hear what you're saying about the, the business declining in value as well. I've come across a couple of contacts personally that I know and well, people I'm getting to know quite well. And they've that's quite a common scenario, sadly. So that's quite the sad thing. The business you thought was worth three was actually kind of worth two. And now it's worth one <laughs> because it's declined because you took your eye off the ball. So I guess that's a sort of warning lesson. But let's talk about an issue where you're beautifully placed to talk about this, which is the operation side obviously that's what and you know to call you guys an agency is probably an insult to the sophistication but that's you know you manage people's amazon accounts for primitive people like myself it seems to be what you do lots of technology involved of course unsurprisingly with you at the helm but what is it we're selling in terms of the operations okay we're selling a piece of land in other words keyword positioning and and sort of a, a level of conversion percentage we can get right broadly but on the operations side what is it we're actually selling and because what interests me is how far and related question, which we could deal with in a second, is how far can we outsource stuff, including to an agency, and still say we're selling my business. So let's let's take yeah. that apart. What is it we're selling, in fact, is another question. Yeah, so I have seen no to date, I have seen no no aggregator or purchaser ever have a problem with someone using third party services to run their business, particularly a good agency. Like if they're using an agency to run the operations, there's never been there's never been a, oh, you're using an agency and you're not doing it yourself. I'm not going to pay you as much for it. Many times the aggregators want to use similar agencies or similar services to continue to run the business. And we've had multiple clients who actually came to us after they were sold from the aggregator, right? And then we have other ones that we've had and sold and we still have them. And the aggregator is really happy, right? With Or the, we say aggregator, but the investor, right? What, whoever it is that bought it, they're still really happy with the business. So I think in terms of like, Hey, should I 
pull everything in house or broaden it out, it doesn't do you any uh, favors by trying to keep everything close to your chest, as opposed to just building a good structure for your business to, to, to run and grow. Right. And so when the aggregator really comes in, it's not, they're not buying your knowledge. They're buying essentially the operations you have set up without you in the business in general. Sometimes they want to, you know, drag someone along inside the business for a little while. And, and sometimes there's deals that make sense there. But in general, you know, they want to buy the operations you've built and the and the positioning inside of Amazon that you've built. And it's their the aggregator's responsibility to, to keep it up. Hey, folks, thank you so much for listening to today's show. Brad Moss, one of my favorite guests and definitely one of the powerhouses of insider knowledge when it comes to Amazon, having, of course, run Seller Central itself for quite a time for Amazon and now having had the other side of managing very, very significant size businesses that are selling on Amazon. And Brad really does have a unique perspective, I think. So a few takeaways today from what I thought was a big picture, but hopefully really valuable discussion, which is really about creating a sellable business and what it is you're actually selling when you sell an Amazon business or an FBA or private label business, whatever these words mean. So really the first question that that Brad came up, what are you building? Is it a cash flow machine or a brand? And you really need a different answer depending on who you're selling to. And what kind of multiple you're looking, what kind of value you're looking for for your business. If it's about the land, they just want a good rating and reviews and uh, decent listing and that sort of thing. Other people's really want to know that you're building actual brand and connection to an audience. And needless to say, the latter is going to be harder work to do, but for the right buyer, more valuable as well. And then it's a question of who's really after your uh, business and you know, what do they really want? So people are often going to flatter you that they want your brand, but really they want your land. And there's nothing terrible about that as long as you know what it is you're doing. Because if you need to make a quick sale, then you should probably do that. Turn your business into cash. But that means probably a lower valuation. So it's important to think about that. And the last thing is really this deal value that the economics are at play. You cannot pull anyone's wool over anyone's eyes when you've got a anything over a seven-figure sale, which in the world of business buying is pretty small as well. So really that sad tale that Brad's just told us about somebody had a $30 million offer and then they came back to the table and then it was worth 15. I think it's a cautionary tale. I mean, just because we've been in a phase of e-commerce and you may have been in a phase of your business where things go up and up and up does not mean that that is the only way things go. (laughs) Kind of obvious thing to say, but I think there is something to be said for selling at a peak And when I say a peak, it may be that if you can finance it, there will be another peak in five years time and you can sell your business for millions more than you currently think of selling it for. But if you haven't got the capitalization, selling your business is certainly an option you should consider. The final thing I would just say, and I've probably said this so many times on the podcast, I should get a kind of badge for saying it. But I'm going to say it again because I think it's so critical. If your business is not sellable, I don't care if you never want to sell it and you want to pass it on to your great grandchildren. It's not going to be much fun for anyone to run it, and it's not going to be very robust if it isn't sellable. If it isn't sellable, it's probably because it has terrible flaws, in which case you need to fix that, I would suggest, even if you're never going to sell your business. So either which way, whether you ever intend to sell your business, whether you're thinking you may sell one day in the future or whether you're thinking of selling next year or even in the next few months, there is nothing better for your business than to look at it from the eyes of an outsider like a Brad Moss or with their the, the aggregation, they're beginning to do their buying, they're beginning to do, or an aggregator or a broker. And I really suggest to a lot of business owners these days that they go and have conversations with brokers and buyers, if nothing else, to fine tune their own awareness of their business as an asset, as a system, as a sellable, desirable thing to, to own and to run and eventually to sell. 
So if nothing else, really urge you to think about your business in that way. I really think that that perspective, if nothing else, gets you out of that day-to-day management rut that all of us can easily fall into, where all it is is, as a member of the Mastermind put to me recently, Mike, all I do today, every day is emails and spreadsheets. Well, that's fine if you need to, but there's going to be a reason why you do that stuff. So what is that reason? What is what is it you're building? And what is the value of that thing? I think that's all something all of us that really need to think through. I hope this was useful, thought-provoking. As ever, folks, please don't forget, if you find it useful, just quickly, all we ask ever, nothing's ever monetized in terms of us asking for any money for the podcast, nor do we intend ever to do that. But just give us a, a review or even a, just a rating if you're on Apple Podcasts, just a one, two, three, four, five-star rating. And don't forget to subscribe, of course, so you get all this good stuff delivered straight into the podcast player of your choice. Thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to the 10K Collective Podcast, part of the family of amazing FBA podcasts. Today's episode is sponsored by the new e-commerce podcast, The E-Commerce Leader. The podcast is hosted by yours truly and Jason Miles, multi-million dollar Shopify owner and Unimi's highest rated e-commerce instructor. If you're the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be, it's got your name on it. For free guides and mini courses on many topics, go to www.theecommerceleader.com.